Welcome to Hope Anchors. I'm Sean. And I'm Johnny. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who we are to all that Jesus is. Hebrews 6.19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Amen. Well, we've been doing this series during our Advent season called, Oh, This is big. Because I I feel like we can sometimes minimize the message of Christmas. I think uh, we can, you know, it can just be all about presents and lights and trees and decorations and that kind of thing. And though it's, you know, it doesn't doesn't seem small because it feels like we're doing more in the season than we usually do. Maybe we're spending more time with people. Maybe there are parties to go to. Obviously, you know, we, we could be getting together with family members more often, that kind of thing. Uh, but we we don't really think about just how big this is right. that Jesus did, in fact, appear, that his appearance was foreseen. It was kind of his appearance was seen some 500, 700, 1300 years yeah. before he actually arrived on the scene. And that, you know, his impact is far greater than just one nationality and one nation. Mm-hmm. That right now there are millions and millions and millions of people, perhaps billions of people who would say, Yeah, I follow Jesus, which is crazy to even think about that there was someone some 2000 years ago who was just simply spreading a message of God's love and just how his message has spread all around the globe. Uh, something kind of grabbed my attention and it's not even out of the Advent story, but there's a, there's a truth that comes out as the original religious leaders were kind of grappling with what in the world was going on in their time. And though they had all these prophecies about what this leader, what this Messiah was to be all about, they completely missed it. Yeah. So much so that they were not, they didn't just disagree with him, but they were uh, violently opposed to what Jesus was doing. And, you know, they, they complain in John chapter 12, verse 19, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The whole world. I mean, they're already acknowledging the fact that there were perhaps thousands of people who were already listening to him, who were already following him. And they felt like, you know, no matter how much they fought with people about who Jesus was and what he was doing, that the whole world was continuing to go after him. And in that little line, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. That's about what every single authority in human history could say, especially the ones who are fighting against what God wants to do. I mean, I I think back to what even Jesus said, that I will build my church. And he's not talking about, you know, four walls and a steeple. He's talking about a gathering, a growing gathering of people who are called out to be on mission together. I will build and grow this gathering and the very gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. But there are just so many instances throughout scripture and throughout human history that play out this whole idea that, listen, you can either fight against Jesus or you can bow before him. Mm -hmm. You can, you can either turn your back on him or bend a knee in front of him. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. It really is. I and think we make I, it more difficult, but yeah. it's really that simple. Yeah. And it and it's something that we see, you know, right from the very beginning where we have this scene of of Adam and Eve in this uh, place of perfection and in this place where they got to walk with God in the cool of the day. You know, they were actually with him. 
they could actually hear his footsteps in the garden, which is uh, an amazing thought to my mind. But then you also have this character who's personified as a serpent, as a uh, snake who uh, brings division between God and humanity. Uh, but then there is this incredible <coughs> prophecy, really, from uh, Genesis chapter 3, where it says that that God's going to put this enmity, this division between you and the woman, and between your your seed, your offspring, and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his, strike his heel. But that there would be someone who would arrive on the scene who would crush the head of this being that comes against God, this person who continues to fight against what God wants to do instead of bowing before him and submitting their lives to what God wants to do. You know, but that's been going on. That went on then. It goes on today. We fight this constantly of people that's not willing to bend the knee to Jesus. Um, we have nations that still today don't believe or we have the word reaching places to where people finally start to understand. The series being called, Oh, This is Big, it's because this is big. We see how this message, how this birth of a child can reach people, get into places that only God has that idea. Mm-hmm. Only God knew what was going to happen and how it can happen. Only God understood this. For for us, and even, you know, I, I love this past Sunday because you really did get into Revelations and you really did. You painted a scene, the best birth scene of Jesus that I could ever imagine. It was, am- it was amazing. I loved it. But it's just because it's not the normal, it's not the normal Christmas story. And I think sometimes that's what we need to understand is that the birth of Christ was not just a normal birth. Mm-hmm. There is some, this journey of this child that still continues today, 2,000 years later, and that, as we said last week, to anticipate his next coming, what's still to come is really big. And we need to understand that. And you know, as as they were talking about, and all these people that were like, we're getting nowhere. Look, the world is still going against us, and it's still going to come down hard on. And this is after Jesus just gets done fulfilling a couple of more prophecies, riding in on the town on the donkey. Hello, that fulfilled a, a prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I you're told these stories, you hear it, you read it, and people that will still agree to it, and no different than. Then the people at the time that heard these stories that was coming, what the prophets had to say, and then they're seeing it happen right in front of them, and they still didn't believe. Mm-hmm. We have a world today that understands these stories and understands who Jesus is, but yet they still choose not to believe. Mm-hmm. And my fear is when he does come again, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. So when we're, you know, so we're in this Advent season and a lot of times when we're looking at the, uh, the Christmas story, we either go to the gospel of Matthew or the gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. because that's, that's where we get the details of this. And, and what I love about, uh, Matthew and Luke is they bring out, you know, some different nuances between them. And usually those are the two places that we focus sure, on. That's we don't a great realize story. that, that's... you know, and I, and I did say, I think in, in my message when I was, when, when I was talking about, uh, the gospel of John, that, 
you know, when, in fact, it was kind of neat. Uh, Michelle and I were just watching The Chosen, which is this incredible uh, TV show that's been created about the life of Christ. But this one episode that we were just watching, uh, John was having this conversation after Jesus had resurrected. He was, you know, taking down all the stories of the different disciples. And then he was uh, speaking with, with Mary, with Jesus' mother. And, and, and as they were speaking, he was she was like, you know, where do you want to start this? And, you know, do you want to start at the beginning? And he's like, well, uh, Matthew's going to do that, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and, and he's going to be very detailed in it. And then, uh, but I want to go back. I want to back, go back before then. And what was before then? Well, you know, you've got, you know, you've got the prophets. What was before then? Well, you've got the promise to Abraham. What was before then? You've got, you know, the beginning. And, um, there is just this really amazing scene that gets played out where Jesus is reading uh, the Torah, reading scripture. And as he is reading in the beginning, Genesis chapter one, it goes back to when John is writing his gospel Mm. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So a lot of times we think, Oh, that's, that's kind of John's, advent story because it starts in the beginning yeah well it's very fascinating because john does have an advent story that is very very different than the ones that we typically hear at christmas because revelation chapter 12 talks about this great sign this something you know something that people see appears in the heavenlies a a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Hmm. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. And then it talks about a, a war in heaven that Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and that the uh, dragon and his angels fight back, you know, this third of heaven that was cast out of the heavens, but that they lost the battle. And that the great dragon, who is the ancient serpent, this one that we see in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, the one who leads the whole world astray, that he was hurled down to earth and his angels with him. And that, and I love what's proclaimed, then I heard in a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God night and day has been hurled down. That's John's nativity scene. <laughs> yes. Something very, very different. But it's it's what uh, Max Lucado calls in his book uh, Cosmic Christmas. He uh, uses his very vivid imagination to see the birth of Jesus in a very cosmic way. That there is something much bigger going on than this little baby being born where animals would eat and lay down and nap. Yeah, it's it's a little bigger than just a manger. But the whole truth about it is is that you can either fight against him or you can bow before him. 
And you know what? You can fight against them all you want to. I mean, this is a story right here where this red dragon fought against them. What happened to the red dragon? Once again, we know who the victor was. We know who the victor is going to be. We know that with God is the right team. It's the right place to be. But it is kind of interesting how we talk about this war um, that's happened in heaven. And how did we start off our Advent season? Uh, Talking about Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And how they were just talking about a war yeah, that, that they were dealing with, yeah. uh, you know, and how they took off their bloodstained uh, uniforms and they were burning them and, you know, let that be, fire be the light, you know, fuel for the fire. And here we, t- we see John's story of this, this fight, this war. Um, I love the way that you said, what, how would you like to be on the news team that had to cover that war? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, can you imagine how, how our, the way that we cover the wars of today, you know, if they were in there watching that war, what they, what people would be saying, you know, the the message of of so many of the prophets was coming as a result of people's disobedience and this, you know, this chosen nation. Uh, I'm sure that there were times where they wished that they weren't chosen, but they weren't chosen. Uh, they, what the reason they were chosen is because so that God should could show His glory, and yeah. the, one of the ways that God shows His glory is by having mercy on people who turn back to Him. But these prophets would talk about you know just how rebellious they had been that instead of bowing before Him, they were fighting against Him. But just all throughout their history, I mean, you can read Judges, you can read First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, you can read. Uh, even the confessions of of King David himself mm-hmm. throughout the Psalms, you can read uh, the, you know any of the prophecies and and just see that there is this this battle. It's an individual battle of whether or not you're going to submit your life to Jesus or whether you're going to continue to fight against him. But it's also you know kind of played out on a national level as well, where these national leaders they they either follow him or don't. You've got you even have Nebuchadnezzar where. His life gets impacted by Daniel, who not only can give him the the uh, interpretation of his dreams, but tells him what he just dreamt, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then tells him the interpretation of the dream. But that there would be a time in Nebuchadnezzar's life that because he saw himself as the end-all, be-all, you know, uh, kind of God on earth that people ought to bow to him, uh, that he would be humbled. Mm-hmm. And, and he was. And he would come to the realization and would write this letter to all the kingdoms of the world to say, listen, I was wrong that this, that this uh, God, that this people follows that this God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so it's just played, this whole idea is just played out through human history that you can either fight against him or you can bow before him. And in the end, that's exactly what Paul says. I mean, we're, we just spent some time in Philippians. Mm-hmm. We spent three months in Philippians but God talks about how Jesus won the war by humbling himself and that by this act of Jesus humbling himself, that God would then, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's talking about the fact that no matter who you are and when you have lived, that every single knee will bow before him. 
and you either get to do so willingly or unwillingly. I would much rather do it willingly. But I'll confess that there are times where I, where I even struggle with it just in my own personal daily sure. life, you know, sure. that I can either fight against what, what God wants to do in my life or I can submit myself to what he wants to do in my life. Yeah, it's not the easiest path, but there is no but after that. It's not an easy path at no. times. It's hard. And to, to just willingly see and do what, you know, to be totally obedient to God, it's hard. That's very hard to do. But, you know, when you go through all these prophecies, as we went through Isaiah, you know, a little bit here in, in the Malachi, but even if you go through more prophets' um, stories and what they're prophesizing about this Messiah, it's usually at a time where it's, it's the nation of Israel is in a rebellious state. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly trying to tell them, hey, we've got this Savior coming. We've got this person that's coming for us that's here uh, that when they come, it's going to make this okay. And, you know, the chosen nation was to share that news with everybody. Mm-hmm. That's what they were chosen to do, was to share that information and share this story. And that's what we're chosen to do, is to share this story and to share. That's why it is big. This birth of Christ is big, but it's not, it's even bigger tomorrow. Because it's where, you know, like Johnny, you just said, you can either, you can choose to bend the knee now on your own, or you can be forced to bend the knee later. And I've got this bad feeling if we're forced to bend the knee, that judgment's not going to be the kind of judgment that people are going to look for. But he is a just God. And we're told he is the Prince of Peace. It will be justice and peace, you know, in his heavenly kingdom. There's not going to be this chaos. There's not going to be this turmoil. He's already had that turmoil up in heaven, and I think that's where John's talking about, about this dragon that wanted to have a fight. And what what did God do? Look, I don't need this up here. You, out. And kicks him to the ground, kicks him to the earth, kicks him to the world. I, I think we need to wake up and understand, um, and we talked a little bit about this last week, we need to look forward to his next coming. We need to really preach about his next coming. And you know what? We can reference yesterday, but we can't dwell in yesterday. Paul tells us we can't dwell on our past. We just can't. I mean, it's what it was. But we have to keep our eye on the prize, which is what's in front of us. And that prize is Jesus. That prize is his heavenly kingdom. That prize is that next coming. And this birth of this child which is a wonderful thing that we celebrate during the Christmas season. I, I think we're losing the whole idea, though. You know, one, one thing, I guess one of the factors that people don't even realize, maybe not, but for some reason we don't really get into this, is that Christmas season, this whole season, came about because of pagan ideology, they're the one that commercialized this. They're the ones that made it into something that's that has nothing really to do with the birth of Christ. And the Christian church at some point in time said, let's let's try to focus this on the birth of Christ and get it back in and rein this back in. But if we really wanted to talk about the birth of Christ and when that actually happened, that's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to get into that. But the Advent season is about the anticipation of this child. 
The prophets have told us about this child that is coming. The child did come. The child reigned on this earth, showed us how to live, how to be like him. Uh, Job talks about at a time where he was praying for an advocate, Christ became that advocate for us. So when we go and we meet God and we're in his court, you're going to have this great dragon on one side of you that's our accuser that's going to sit there and tell us and remind God everything that we've done wrong in the past. And then we're going to have this beautiful man sitting right next to us that's going to say, nope, I fulfilled that prophet when I died on the cross. Mm -hmm. We're not bringing that up anymore. John brings that up in his revelation in Revelation 12, 11, that they triumphed. This is how you bow before him. This is how you live for him, that they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. You know, it's what Jesus did for us, but that we, we can also have victory by the word of our testimony. You know, as we continue to talk about what, what God has done in our lives, that brings victory. Hmm. And he'll say uh, down in uh, Revelation twelve seventeen, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. One of the ways that you can uh, you know, stop fighting against what God wants to do and, and actually submit your life to him is just to continue to be in his word, to continue to read, continue to learn what it means to surrender to him. And, and just know that you don't have to do that alone. Uh, make sure that you find a, a group of Jesus followers that you can get together with, whether it's just simply a small group, a house church, or a church to get involved in, but just that you would be together with other people where you can fight the fight together, where you can uh, hold each other accountable. It, it's almost like a couple of buddies getting together to work out. You know, you're going to, you're going to challenge each other. You're going to push each other, but you know, find some people that you can get together with where you can push one another, where you can encourage each other and when you're, where you can lift each other up so that that's, you know, the way, the main way that you can continue to surrender to him instead of fighting against him. I love that. That's very charming. Hey folks, I just want to let you know that we're going to take a couple of weeks off. We're going to miss a couple of weeks of our podcast uh, due to the holiday season. We're going to spend some time with families. Uh, we're going to get back together in January of 2023, and we're going to kick off a brand new series. Yeah, called Minor Leagues. We're going to be majoring on the minors. We're going to take a look at the uh, the minor prophets in uh, the Old Testament. We're just going to have a good time and enjoy the holiday seasons. Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, we're just so thankful that you listened to us. So, uh, so hey, thanks for listening to Hope Anchors. Paul wrote in Romans 15.4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's really our purpose, is to give you something to anchor your hope to. So don't give up, keep looking up, and keep hope alive. Amen.